Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in Las Vegas. Our reading today comes from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 18, and 31, verses 31 through 34. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Our reading today from Jeremiah, beginning in chapter 33. The days are surely coming, says the Lord when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and the Levitical priests shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to make grain offerings, and to make sacrifices for all time. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father in heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How can we hear good news as we struggle at our lowest lows? When we're frustrated on all sides, what good is a promise of some future relief? I mean, I get to meet people who are struggling every day, and I wonder about this. It might be that they're fighting illness, facing surgery or a terminal diagnosis. They might be without shelter or just in need of a meal. And most times, yes, I offer to pray with them. I try to help where I can. And I believe there is power in the name of Jesus, right? I know that I'm called to proclaim the the life in Christ with all that I meet. But how can one really hear that? How can one truly hear this good news over the noise of the world and our immediate needs, over physical pain they experience, over the difficulties of a day or a year or a life? Jesus died for you and loves you. You've been freed and forgiven through God's grace by his incarnation, life, death, and resurrection. He lives and you are now and eternally alive in Christ. We just returned from vacation in sunny San Diego. It was beautiful. It was never warmer than 80 degrees. We enjoyed a lot of time together as a family. We learned a little bit made great memories. So we have this week away, almost a week, it's 
six days. And we get home, and of course, the first thing that happens is we open the gate, and the dogs come rushing out because they missed us so much and just loose their bladders all over the place. They're chihuahuas. That's what they do, folks. And then we find out, well, the Internet's out. Okay, well, we're not going to worry about that. We'll figure that out tomorrow on the next day. And then the, just a couple of minor inconveniences, right? Then the next day, Ivy, my wife, suffered a corneal abrasion, a corneal ulcer, something like that. It's very painful. I was in deep pain on Friday about 5 p.m. Best time to call a doctor, right? So we're still trying to get in to see the doctor. She got some medication. She's feeling much better, thank the Lord. Meanwhile, kids are starting school this week, and work must be done, and I'm running around, and I'm trying to get medications, and I'm on the phone with the internet company and trying to keep kids on track, and all that peace and tranquility of the beach vacation had just gone out the window, had run its course, and I was back to reality and not feeling particularly tuned in to faith or spirituality, to tell you the truth. And my frustration was getting the best of me. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made. Come today, O Lord. Oh, I was praying. We cry out in our minor inconveniences and our deep pain as well for the Lord of the universe to intervene. Help me, Jesus. How many times a day do you utter that phrase? We continue to struggle against a virus here in our community. We argue about vaccinations and masks, and we turn those things that would help into swords to be used against each other. We let our anger take control, and our peace feels like it's gone. Our neighbors are losing homes, and rent increases for others, and many still find themselves out of work, unemployed or underemployed. The smoke that covers our valley this weekend, we know, is a sign of mountain towns burning to the ground, while summer flooding devastates places in southern U.S. and nations abroad. So we've demonized immigrants, we've trusted in wealth and turned inward instead of serving and giving and building up one another. If the days are surely coming, we wonder how much longer we can wait Jeremiah proclaims this word of the Lord in a time of global upheaval. We've talked about it. The people were sent from their home into a foreign land in Babylon, made into refugees, their temple, their city, their homes destroyed. The whole world they knew was coming to an end. And they had known God to be a present God, the one who had led the people out of Egypt and through the wilderness who promised to dwell with them. And God made a covenant with Abraham and with Noah and Moses and David. And God was true to the promises. Even though the people over and over again disobeyed, God came through. God made them into a great nation, promised to preserve the creation, to lead them into the promised land, to establish the throne of David. And now, even in the depths of loss and exile and grieving, the prophet proclaims God's covenant again. God promises to always forgive, to remember sin no more. 
So you can imagine, put yourself in their shoes for just a minute in a time when they're wondering why would God allow such calamity, such doom and death and pain. When the people had been carried off and their world was destroyed, when hope seemed lost. Jeremiah gives finally in this book a word of God's hope to those discouraged. And God promises the days are coming when new life will be yours. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. And we who suffer some and we who suffer much long to hear those words too. The day is coming. And that's just not parents waiting for school to start. Go. We all long to live in this reality of forgiveness to feel it and know it in our bodies and our minds and our spirits. We are ones who think we know the Lord, right? We say the prayers, we sing the hymns, we're here in church, right? That must count for something, we must know something, right? We know and yet so often fail to live it. And we hold on to old hurts and the woundedness of our being. We take out our pain on others. And we see scarcity, even though we live in such abundance. We remind each other as we gather for worship, this is the day the Lord has made. And we rejoice until someone steps on our toes or pushes us out of our comfort zones or just makes us mad. At our best, we welcome, we love, we serve in the name of Jesus. It happens from time to time. I know it. I've seen it. We show up for one another when it really counts. We give witness to God's grace. We see the image of God in our neighbors. But a lot of the time, we're not at our best, are we? We can admit that here. We can tell the truth. We are afraid and selfish and impatient and nasty. That's just true, church. That's the truth. Let me count the ways. You don't really need me to, do you? Saints and sinners, all of us, we know that. We own it. We claim it. And that's good news, too. Because God, this God who we know, cares to save sinners. And to know the Lord, then, I guess, is to know the God of forgiveness and grace who seeks us out, who fulfills promises, who proclaims freedom and peace for our hearts and our minds and the world. And this God who creates, just just hold on to this for a second, the God who creates, the God who preserves and frees people, is the God who knows us through and through, who's walked the dusty streets and entered the forbidden and forgotten places and still comes near to bring new life and to call us back again and again and to welcome us into these open arms of forgiveness. So now we know and we know who we are and we trust that God is good and holds true to God's promises and transformation begins as we rise up from waters of baptism 
as we die to ourselves each day, as we pray for our neighbors and the world God loves so deeply, as we get up and we love one another instead of tearing each other down, and we make space for those who struggle to know the Lord, and we welcome those who need to hear this good news, and we include those who've been cast aside throughout history, and we share the hope that we have in Christ Jesus with one another and the community we serve. Transformation begins. It takes a long time. God's promises come in the first person singular here. God says, I will do it. I will make the covenant. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God. And I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. We know it's not what we do. It's what God does for us. And this is, this is so crazy. This is, this is true. I had a dream the other night. And I, and I was talking to someone in the dream. And, uh, and I, was saying, I was saying just that. I was saying it's not about what we do and the, the good deeds on our list and the, the ways we think we have to act. It's about what God has done for us. This God who loves us and knows us and frees us from all that stuff and, and that, that pain that we've felt, the pain that we've inflicted, our selfishness and our sin. This is what God has done for us. This is the God who walks with us, who knows us. It's the promise that holds us together, that makes us the church, nothing else but the word. And this is our faith. This is our confession. And we proclaim the days are surely coming. Archbishop Desmond Tutu is noted for saying, I don't preach a social gospel. I preach the gospel, period. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is concerned with the whole person. When people were hungry, Jesus didn't say, now is that political or social? He said, I feed you, because the good news to a hungry person is bread. Even in our most difficult times, at our lowest lows, when we don't know where to turn, we still have something to give. It might be school supplies or, or jars of peanut butter. It might be a cold drink of water on a hot summer day. It might just be a hand to hold or a heart to listen in our actions, more than our words even, the gospel is proclaimed. Good news is received and felt. Life and promise and forgiveness are seen and felt and touched and heard and tasted. It might not seem like much at the time and we might struggle to see it, but it can mean the world to someone in need. We know the Lord. God is good. We know who we are, chief of sinners, though I be, and still made new, forgiven, called to serve because our faith is not an escape from the reality of the world. It's not an escape from the reality of life any more than a, a six-day vacation is but a temporary reprieve from household chores and soiled rugs. We are called and forgiven and sent 
forever, for this day and the next. And even in our times of trouble, we can know that God's promises are good. And the days are surely coming. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Amen.